Let's pray together. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Father, we praise you that you have indeed washed us and cleansed us and made us your children through the Lord Jesus, through his blood. And so, Father, we pray we'd rejoice in that this morning and that by grace you'd help us to respond with uh, an attitude of love and service. For Jesus' sake, amen. Can I just say, am I quite quiet? No, fine. Good. I like to hear myself a little bit more, but that's fine. I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like I have a ringside seat to the greatest sporting fixture in the history of the world. We've seen the last couple of weeks, haven't we, God's plan to deliver a knockout punch to his enemies and bring everything under Christ. We see that power at work in the church as people come in in and believe in Christ and are transformed. It's glorious, and week by week it unfolds before our very eyes. Just think of some of the interviews we've had at the front recently, as we've heard people who've turned from death to life. Think of uh, how we've heard about God building his kingdom as we build a new diocese. Some of the young folk who came back from Hope Church in Dunedin, what will it be, it's third or fourth week today, and how they were able to go out in the power of God and preach the gospel to those who don't know him. Think about last year when Jolene came and told us wonderful stories of how Syrians ensnared in Islam came to see the glorious light of the Lord Jesus. We have a wonderful, wonderful privilege to see what God is doing. And we get to see the drama unfold week by week here. But the problem is that image is totally wrong, isn't it? Although God is delivering his knockout punch, we are not spectators. We're players on the pitch. And if anything, the game is much more like stuck in the mud. Do you remember that game of uh, children play where everyone's stuck in the mud and there's, there's somebody who's to go around and liberate them? And there's an enemy who tries to, to get people back in the mud. And uh, as that liberator goes, setting people free, the people who are free don't become spectators. No, they too join the game and run to liberate And friends, isn't that a wonderful picture of the Christian life? There are no spectators in the Christian life. Either we're stuck in the mud or we're set free to run and liberate and help others out. Well, as Jay said, this morning is Commitment Sunday. And some of these themes we deal with as they come up in the Bible. But today we spend a particular focus uh, on some of these themes And the thing I'd love to stress this morning is that everyone is needed. Everyone has a role in Christ. There's three things I want to draw out from verse 10, really, this morning. The first is this. By grace, God has made us alive. By grace, God has made us alive. Although we're focusing on verse 10, the context which we looked at in detail last week is so important. And we see in verses 1 and 2, we were stuck in the mud. Spiritually, we were dead. We were dragged along by the world, the flesh and the devil. We were doomed, ultimately, to destruction. But God has intervened. Look at verse 4. Because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead. You see, it's all by grace. It's all of God's gift that Jesus came to earth freely to die that we who were dead might be raised up with him. And it's all of grace, motivated by love, 
Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And friends, as we think about serving this morning, it's so crucial we get the order right here. We're saved by grace, not by works. So many people think the opposite's the other way around, don't they? We work to save ourselves. And I'm looking around, I doubt there would be many, if anyone in this room, who'd put it like that. But so easily, don't we fall into thinking like that? That we begin to think, I haven't served as much as I'd like, or as much as I used to, and, and so somehow I've gone down the ranking table. I'm not quite as good in God's eyes as I was. Or perhaps the other way, we think, well, now I'm doing so much. I'm, I'm serving so much. God is letting me serve so much, and isn't he rather lucky to have me? And then we look on others who aren't able to serve so much. For whatever reason, we become haughty. And this reminds us, no, we're saved by grace. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. No service, no sacrifice. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's no service or no lack of sacrifice, no sin that can make God love us less. It's a wonderful truth. While we were dead, he loved us and poured out his grace in Christ upon us. We're his workmanship, verse 10. Broken people made new by his grace. And that is the thing that motivates us to serve. The story is told of uh, a, a woman at, a, at a, an auction of slaves in uh, the, the south of America, the time when slaves were traded. And um, this woman was standing there waiting to be sold by her master. And a man came up and uh, he looked at her and she thought, he's going to buy me. So she spat in his face. And the man uh, walked to the owner, paid him whatever a slave cost, and he walked back to the woman, and he said, uh, I've just bought you. You're a, a beautiful woman, a child of God, and I set you free. And he walked off. And that woman realized in that instance that this was the first, in that instant, that this was the man, the only man who'd ever really loved her or done anything genuinely kind for her. And... It melted her heart. She ran after him, fell at his feet, and said, uh, I've been forced to serve so many people as a slave. You've shown me love. I want to freely serve you because you've loved me. It's a silly illustration, but it captures the point. We were slaves to many things. We've been set free, and if we grasp the great love of God, we long to serve. By grace, God has made us alive. But secondly, by grace, God has made us to work. By grace, God has made us to work. Look at verse 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And someone will think, oh, here we go. Here's the catch. It's all free, and then we've got to work. It's a bait and switch. We're all free, and now we've got to work. But no, that's to miss the point. Not that we must work, but we're designed to work. This is who we really are, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Imagine a caged lion in a zoo. It's not hard to imagine, is it? And uh, you can picture the kind of listless eyes as that slightly sad and depressed lion lies there in this small cage. Well, imagine we took that lion and we plonked him in, in the middle of an African plain, and we opened the cage and out he ran 
full of energy and vitality. He, he jumps and he leaps and he chases things. Well, friends, in the same way, we're set free to serve. Not, not to, to be forced to serve. That's what we're made to be. And, and when we do it, there's great joy and energy. We've got to understand as we come to Commitment Sunday, Jay and I are not here shaking a tin. We're not on commission. It's not as if more people serve or, or more people give and our stipends go up. Wonderfully. I'm glad you laughed and you know that. But it's one of the wonderful things about the Anglican Church. You can give all your money. Jay and I won't see a penny of it personally. Whether it's a big church or small church, we all get the pay, paid exactly the same. But equally, I'm not a, a community organizer. My goal this morning isn't that we'd fill some rosters so that we can keep some activities going. No, I stand here as a Christian minister and I want you to see, I want myself to see what we are in Christ. That Christ has died. That in Christ we've been made alive and created to do good works. And Jesus has done that through his death and resurrection. But he's also the great model, isn't he? That at the heart of the Christian faith is a servant king who comes to do good works, left the glory of heaven to serve. And as he does it, he models the true human. He models the joyful life. And at its essence is service. If you don't know what it is to give generously, if you've never known that joy, if you don't know what it is to serve joyfully, then you're living less than you're meant to be. You're, you're a lion in a cage and the door is open and, and the gazelles are there to chase. And yet you sit listlessly in the cage. We're made in Christ Jesus to do good works. Well, what kind of good works? Well, there's a sense here, it's all good works. There's a, a connection between verse 2 and verse 10. Verse 2 literally says this, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to walk. And then in verse 10, he says this, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. We were walking in the way of death, sinning, doing all kinds of terrible things, and now we're set free to walk in the way of life and do good. All kinds of good. It doesn't take imagination to think what some of those things might be. But in the context, with this massive emphasis on the church, Remember, we've seen that the church is the center of God's plan to unite all things under Christ, that it, it grows up and out and expands. I'd be surprised if works of service that build the church weren't at least in part in Paul's mind. And in chapter 4, he's going to go on to talk about that, that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, and the teachers to uh, preach the gospel, to equip the saints, to equip all of us for works of service so that Christ's body may be built up. So although these works are much broader than serving, whether formal serving or, or spontaneous informal serving, I don't think it's less than that. And so this Commitment Sunday, I'd love to focus on those kind of works. Serving. Just worth thinking, what does the church do? What do we do as the center of God's plan? What does that mean? Think at least four Bs. First of all, we bring people to Christ. We bring people to Christ. That's the role of the church, that it goes out and it, it grows and more people come in to know the blessing of the Lord Jesus. But we don't just bring people to believe in Jesus and leave them. We help them to belong, help them to belong to the body of Christ. 
And as people belong, they're built up, that's the third B, built up to grow in love and knowledge of God. And uh, that enables us to bless the world, to bless each other as we serve each other, to bless the world as we serve the world by holding out the gospel and by doing good deeds. And all of this, all of these bees bring glory to God. We bring people to Jesus. We help them belong to his body. We build them up so that we can bless the world and each other. And that is the people we're designed to be. It brings glory to God. It's good for the world. It's good for us. And you see, all of our service, informal service, the, the kind word or, or the, the good deed, or the formal planned, rostered service, hits one of these aims. All of us, if we're a Christian, we're created to be part of this plan. And it gives a great dignity to what we do. Went to a meeting last week, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, of the, the sound people, the little team who, who do the sound for us so well week by week. And doing sound is kind of an invidious thing to do because you only get noticed when, when it goes wrong. And somebody makes a comment about how quiet it is at the start of a service. But I went to the sound people and I said to them, what is it you think you're doing? Why are you doing it? And, and somebody said, well, I've been in the roster for 20 years, I think, and uh, that's why I do it. Uh, somebody else said, oh, I, I, I just want to help out. And I said to them, what you're doing is this, I think. We're a church that believes when the Bible is opened, God speaks. When the Bible is read, God speaks. And so your job in this great enterprise of building the church is to enable all of us to hear God's voice. And through you doing that, God builds his church. Or think about the people who serve morning tea. What do they do? In one sense, they make tea and they wash dishes. But you enable us to fellowship together, to help people belong. And I take it in heaven. I imagine in heaven there'll be people with this kind of story who will say, I'm here today, uh, but there was a time when I thought I'd chuck it all in. And life was miserable. And then one day, over morning tea, somebody just said a word. It wasn't usually a significant thing that they said, but it, it struck me deeply. And uh, it kept me going. And I'm here today in part. I'm in, in heaven today in part because of them. And you who serve morning tea enable that kind of thing. You're helping build God's church, which is the center of the universe. Those who set up the hall, you enable us to gather as God's people in the presence of God. So we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? You who serve in children's ministry, helping disciple the children to become members of the church of God, to grow as members of the church of God. So many different ways. So many people who serve in such different ways. And what a privilege. And of what significance is it? It's an awesome privilege. So many people, aren't they, eager to leave a legacy to leave something behind, to, to leave their mark on the world. Well, if we're building with the church, if we're serving the church, then we do. Because the church will last forever. It's eternal. And as we build it, we leave our mark. It's an awesome, awesome privilege. It's an awesome responsibility, too. I take it if we're not just giving out books or, or, or sweeping the floor or washing dishes we're serving the Lord, then we should do it well. It's no good just to do it slapdashly or, or, or without thinking it through. It's an awesome privilege, awesome responsibility. I love hearing testimonies. 
And one of the kind of testimony stories of how God is working that I particularly love to hear is of those who go away and serve on camps or conferences cooking. And maybe you've done that. And somebody's asked you about it at the front of church or something. And those people often talk about what they've done. And in some ways, cooking on a camp doesn't seem to be hugely significant. It's not hugely spiritual. But of course, we know that an army marches on its stomach. Unless those people do that, the camp can't happen. But the thing I love about those testimonies is that uh, those people often seem to, to be fo- so full of joy. In a sense, they've done something tedious and they've, they've peeled potatoes for a week. And yet they've been doing what God has made them to do, to serve. And so they're full of joy, doing what God has made us to do. Well, if you don't know that joy of serving, will you take this pack home and think about how you can serve and find that joy? I told this story to the young adults on Wednesday, some of the young adults on Wednesday. And I remember very vividly hearing the story of uh, somebody uh, at university. And um, they were somebody who, as a young man, committed themselves to serve God. They, they wanted to be a lawyer, and they thought, I'm, I'm going to pour my energies uh, outside of my legal work into building God's church, building for eternity. And after they left university, they got into their, their work. They were busier than they thought, and they said, oh, I can't do it now. Uh, and then they got married, and um, time was even less. Then children came along, and they were still a Christian, but church took a much lesser priority. They often weren't there, or they were away at their holiday home, or uh, taking the kids to soccer, or whatever it was, and, and just really drifted down the priorities. And they had a great life. They, they climbed up the headed notepaper. They had a lovely house, did some foreign travel. When this man uh, retired... Finally, he was finally able to do what he'd said he'd do as a young student. And he got the bug for serving. He realized what joy there is. Didn't do anything super in, in the world. So he, he, he humbly served at church, led a Bible study, those kind of things. Nothing spectacular, but he realized that's what he was made to do. And then one day it hit him. He looked back over his life and he said, my soul was saved, but I've wasted my life. Soul was saved. I've wasted my life. He looked around the photos in his study, the, the famous people he'd met, the, uh, the wonderful places he'd been, his great big house. Saved soul, wasted life. I've not built for eternity. I'd know this great joy now as a retired man of building for God's kingdom. I wish I'd acted on it sooner. And friends, I say that not to twist your arm, not to make you feel guilty. But do you see, this is what we're designed to do. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Do we know that joy? He saved us to serve. He saved us by grace. By grace, he's made us to work. And third and finally, by grace, God has tailor-made works for you and me. By grace, God has tailor-made works for you and me. Look again at verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I take it if God's prepared them in advance, if he's tailor-made them for us, that underscores they're by grace. It's not that we come up with some great ideas to do for God and we pitch it to him. No, he's prepared them in advance by grace for us to do. And if he's tailor-made them for us, it means each one of us has works to do, 
but it's wonderfully liberating. They've been tailor-made by our loving Heavenly Father. So he doesn't ask us to do things that are beyond our capacity. Somebody this week uh, was talking to me about an area they'd love to serve in. They l- perhaps had served in the past. They'd love to do it. But they said, at the moment, I've got a, a small baby. Can't do it. And I don't know whether they felt guilty or not. But uh, there's absolutely no reason to feel guilty. God has tailor-made works for us to do in the situation we're in now. And if we're looking after a small baby, that's a great work in itself. But he doesn't ask us to do what we can't do. There's others who are caring for sick relatives. That's the tailor-made works God has prepared for you to do. And that you can't do the things you'd love to do before in church. You haven't got time to to do some of the things you did before. That's fine. That's what God has tailor-made for you. And this lessens our burden. We all have our unique time constraints, capacity constraints, stage of life. And God has tailor-made them. Tailor-made works for us to do in them. Uh, only the parish receiver knows who gives what, but uh, Vicar not, sort of, in a, in a very vague sense, said of somebody who I have absolutely no idea who they are, uh, but um, that somebody was concerned that they'd retired. It may have been recently, it may have been a long time ago, I have no idea, but that they felt um, that they apologetic, they had to reduce their giving. They'd retired, and so they'd lost their main income, uh, and they felt apologetic. Absolutely not. God has tailor-made our situations, and it's absolutely right that when we get to a new stage of life, we reduce our giving or our serving or we change. And there are some, I know, who need to come off the the roster for uh, setting up the hall. And literally, because their backs are sore. And that's absolutely right. It'd be terrible if, out of guilt or or obligation, you tick that box this week. But I take it the other way, that that means that some of the young folk in here who who have the the time to do that, the, the backs to do it, whatever it is, you need to step up. We need to step up. Because all of us have works we're tailor-made to do. Somebody was telling me the other day of a, a senior person who just said, I, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I, I used to do so much. I just can't do anything. With a real sadness in their face. And I want to say, God has tailor-made. This tells us God has tailor-made good works for you to do. Somebody grabbed me, a senior person grabbed me on the way out of church the other day and whispered two sentences in my ear. They deeply, deeply encouraged me. They built me up, built the church up. It's a wonderful thing. You can do however old you are. I'm always struck by Amy Carmichael. Do you know Amy Carmichael, the uh, Northern Irish missionary, went to Japan and then spent her life, really, rescuing girls from uh, Hindu temples. They were enslaved in those temples, often forced to, into sex-slave-type roles. And she built an orphanage and a school for them. But as she got older, she couldn't do that work. And eventually she became bedridden. And in pain, she would lie on her bed. Occasionally she'd have the energy to call somebody in and and say a word of encouragement to them. But when she couldn't do that, between the kind of groans uh, and the pain, she'd pray. And it was hidden away, nobody saw, but God heard and kept building the work. And there are some people who are too frail even to be here today. And yet God has tailor-made for works for them to do as they lie in their beds and they offer up prayers. God has tailor-made it before the beginning of the world to do those works. Now this reminds us, I think, as we come to the end, of course, 
serving is not just being on a roster. We need a roster. If we don't have a roster, how will we know who will do morning tea? And if we do it spontaneously, there'll be 20 people one week and two the next. But we, we, a roster is a terrible master, a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And we want the formal uh, things on the, sh- on the sheets, but we desperately need informal works of service, good works, as we encourage each other, build each other up. I wonder, as we look around this morning, who are the welcomers here this morning? Hands up if you're a welcomer here this morning. Yeah, keep going, Jay. That's good. I, I, aren't we all welcomers? Friends, don't we all? There's some who have badges. But actually all of us have that responsibility to make somebody, whether they've been coming here 20 years or two minutes, welcome. You don't need a badge to do that. That kind of informal, spontaneous thing is so important. Well, as we finish, all of us have gifts. And God has tailor-made ways for us to use them. And to use them, not in the ideal situation, but in the situation we find ourselves in now with all the constraints we have. And my great fear is we put a premium on certain gifts and certain acts of service. We think, oh, he, he's, he's great, he can teach the Bible, or he can sing, or he can read, or, or whatever it is, and shame on us when we think of that. I remember being in a conversation where somebody said something like this, all he can do is uh, sweep the floor. All he can do is sweep the floor. And I want to say, if that's the God-given role that God has tailor-made from before the beginning of time for him to do, then praise God. Because as he does it, he builds the church. And as a pastor, I want to encourage that person to build the church to the best of their ability with that gift. By grace, we're saved. By grace, we're made to work. We're tailor-made. God has given us tailor-made works. Where are we working? So we go away with our packs. So we're thinking, what are our gifts? What needs doing in this church? Sometimes we've got great gifts and they don't need to be used. But go away and pray. Ask a friend, where are my gifts? Where are the needs? This commitment Sunday could be a complete waste of time. Let's be real. It could be a complete waste of time. We spend lots of time making the packs. We give them out. We take them home. It could be a complete waste of time. Just arbitrarily fill them in. Or God could do something wonderful as we prayerfully, thoughtfully fill them in and ask him, Lord, where is it that you'd have me serve? Where are the things I shouldn't be serving this year that I've done and maybe I, I shouldn't anymore? But either way, to his glory, let's be serving, doing the things he's made us to do as he builds his church and as he does it for our good, as we be the people we're created to be. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you for your grace that has saved us and made us into those who are designed to serve and do good works. And whether they're formal rostered good works or informal acts of loving kindness to build your people up to bless your world help us to know what we should do and do it for your glory in your strength like the lord jesus not out of guilt but as those who've been served and so long to serve for jesus sake amen thank you james